Welcome to the Perspectives on Healthcare podcast, where members of the medical community from different roles, venues, and locations share their unique perspectives on quality healthcare, its future, and how to improve it. Now, from the Your Keynote Speaker Studio in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, here is your host, Rob Oliver. Thank you, and welcome to another episode of Perspectives on Healthcare. Today's perspective comes from Daphne Nyman, better known as Dr. Daphne. She is a medical doctor with a specialty in emergency medicine, as well as functional and metabolic medicine, and a a number of other things, which I'm sure we will get into. She is located in North Jersey, and she is a member of Generation X. Dr. Daphne, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about yourself and your role in healthcare, please. So in one sentence, I would say I'm a conventionally uh, emergency medicine trained physician turned anti-aging functional medicine provider for middle-aged, high-achieving women so that they could turn back the clock and lose weight and get their energy without worrying how. Um, I actually am trained in uh, overseas in Turkey. And um, as soon as I was completed with my medical education, I came to the States. And um, my very first experience was in Kearney Hospital in Boston, affiliated with Boston University. I was uh, an intern there in internal medicine. I came across this um, resident who was actually rotating through our hospital. Um, She was doing emergency medicine, and she inspired me. Um, I never knew there was such a specialty at the time because in my country it didn't exist. So... With her encouragement, I moved on to emergency medicine. And for the last 30 years or so, I have been in emergency medicine ever since. It's been about 30 years since I came to this country. And over the years, as I was practicing in emergency medicine, I have come across um, issues, my own battles also. Um, I've seen um, shortages in the conventional medicine, the gaps that um, needs to be filled. Um, And I felt like I need to learn more in terms of how I can help people achieve health and avoid being uh, in certain conditions, maybe going to the ER. And um, and so that prompted me to um, to have a search. And I came across this company called American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine. And that's exactly where I found the answers. And they had this amazing program in modules. And I had to fly every other weekend. And um, it was a great experience, actually. So I got my board certification. And I started no- learning a whole lot more about the complementary aspect of medicine in this new emerging world. And, um, but, you know, I was still working in the ER and I still do sometimes work in the ER and life had taken a toll on me as well. I personally started actually utilizing the tools I learned on myself because I had gained so much weight, uh, over 30 pounds and my thyroid wasn't doing well. My adrenals were not doing well because of all the stress. You know, ER is not an easy place. You have the shift work and you don't eat properly. You don't sleep well. There's a lot of elements and the mere stress of being in the ER dealing with the really tough situations in the middle of it can actually take a toll on people. So I did, I did actually reshape myself and, um, and I'm, I'm now providing a whole lot more of what I did for myself to other people. I'd like to help people regain their health and also be able to feel like they're in charge. Okay. So tell me a little bit, does your, does your functional medicine um, impact the work that you're doing in the ER? Because to me, ER seems to be more urgent care and 
and sometimes the functional medicine element is more of a long-term approach, but do they, do you find that they mesh together sometimes? Absolutely. So the word complementary is, I think is very appropriate here. So if, um, from the business perspective, if I, um, functional medicine, um, actually keeps the patients out of the ER. So I don't know if it's a good business model for ER having, <laughs> um, uh, but at the end of the day, if, at the end of the day, if we're looking as, as, you know, the global health, um, functional medicine definitely has a role in everywhere. I mean, we need people to live better, live healthier, longer, um, have, uh, more productivity, uh, contribute more, maybe retire later, just have a more functional life. And ERs are going to be there. Emergency medicine is not something that's going to go away. It's always going to be needed. But we don't need unnecessary visits. We don't need um, catastrophic endpoints from people who could prevent those things. We, I see the lifestyle choices that we have right now, unfortunately, by the systems, um, have really driven people to a point where they have no choice but end up in the ER. So... Um, I look at it as, as, a, as a, again, complementary together uh, okay. for, for the health of the masses. Okay, it makes sense. Um, what does quality healthcare mean to you? That's a loaded question. So <laughs> I would say that quality healthcare um, has to have lifestyle in the heart of it. it must be the, the non-negotiable element of, of quality healthcare. And then, of course, you can expand on that. Um, it um, it needs to um, it needs to be focusing on lifestyle upgrading, preventive measures, as well as really um, looking at a person as a whole, and um, utilizing more innovative techniques, and actually kind of thinking outside the box as the conventional medicine not doing as much. So, uh, being able to um, look at the person as a whole in all aspects, and then um, and then with certain tools, actually make it more customized. In, in this whole thing, actually, care, empathy plays a big role because that's one thing that's kind of missing right now in our conventional medicine. And that's not because the doctors are not doing their jobs well. It's just the systems. The systems are failing the doctors. A lot of physicians are unhappy with their work because they are really crammed up with the time whether it's in the ER or their, their offices, um, they have very little time to go over complex cases. They have to document, uh, and then they have to move the flow. And it doesn't give them much time to create this atmosphere of empathy, understanding, going over lifestyle changes. Um, so it's so much easier to just slap a medication and send patient home. And that's where the medicine has headed, unfortunately. Okay, and let me just key on two, two things that you said and kind of tie them together. You talked about how because of the stress that you were under as an ER physician, it was causing you to be unhealthy. And so now uh, you're talking about the same thing affecting other doctors and how can they talk to their patients about making healthy decisions when they themselves are not making healthy decisions and taking care of themselves. It, it, does, that, does that resonate with you or am I putting together two pieces that don't fit? Um, to a degree, yes. Uh, I was mentioning about their practice setting, and I think, yes, you're right. The healthcare providers are also suffering from, just like I did suffer in emergency medicine, they're also suffering uh, from the systems creating so much stress on them. And, um, you know, this, the 21st century has not been fair to people, not, has not been fair to us. We're really constantly on the go. 
our sympathetic system is on the high drive. And a lot of people are really drained. The, the cortisol is at the highest level, in fact, to a point where our adrenal glands that sit on the, the kidneys, they're producing cortisol all the time. Now we have a lot of people actually having uh, shut down of the adrenal glands, and so they can't even function anymore. So a lot of the, these people are called like burnout, oh, I don't have energy. And we as a society don't seem to honor and, you know, accept that we need to take a break maybe, and we need to appreciate um, um, creating space for ourselves. We're just always on the go. So the same thing applies to the doctors. So they're also in the same state. And again, as, as I mentioned, a, a common primary care doctor can may have only five to 10 minutes to see a patient with complex issues, maybe over 10 medications. And so when, they, when a patient like that comes with a new headache, it's so much easier to slap another, maybe a new medication on, on that patient. And so, and they also feel the burnout because they don't feel like they're contributing as much. And, and, and they're worried about the documentation and then the, compu- the, the technology is also wary on some, uh, learning the new technology, et cetera. So you're right. It takes a toll on everybody. Okay. Can you give me an example of quality healthcare? I would say a quality healthcare would be, uh, again, uh, I would be kind of reiterating this issue, but putting the lifestyle at the heart of the care and, and educating, um, motivating, empowering um, patients into making those changes before slapping a medication, a pill as a Band-Aid and looking at the root causes, really, because a lot of times it seems like most of the issues that we deal with right now, whether it's hypertension, diabetes, cancer, a lot of these are actually created with our, I would say, maybe strong word, but toxic living, uh, the way we live right now. So, um, and most of it could be mitigated. And so by really being a proponent of lifestyle upgrading and, you know, educating people about those and taking the time for that and avoiding um, using as much of pharmaceuticals it should be a quality care. Plus making it more custom made precision medicine is actually another end of that really customizing the care because not everybody is created equal. Not one pill for a certain illness will really benefit everybody the same way. And maybe some people need nutritional supplement support, or maybe they just need to, you know, do a few tweaks in their lifestyle that that would fix the problem. So, um, yeah, that's that's what I think. The lifestyle is really at the heart of it. Okay, uh, very interesting, uh, interesting way to look at things. What do you wish people understood about your role in healthcare? And you can look at this from any perspective that you so desire. Yes. So. I wish that, um, so first of all, I am in the complementary zone. I put myself in the complementary zone. And so I wish that people, um, my colleagues also, and everybody else see the complementary medicine as actually not competition as much as it's actually meant for collaboration because complementary medicine is coming for a reason. There is a gap. And and I, I would like to, to have people have an open mind towards that um, and read more about functional medicine, regenerative medicine, integrative medicine, what it means. It's really all about taking a person as a whole and treating a person in that whole wholeness, whether it's the nutrition, the physical activity, the spirituality, the, the social being aspect of it, um, stressors. But taking a person as a whole is key. And I would like um, everybody else to see it like such and think that this is actually going to move the conventional and modern medicine alone to create and reshape the future. 
And I'd like people to think that this is not going anywhere. It's coming strong and it's, it's going to be part of future. So that said, I want to make it clear that there are so many people out there in the category of complementary medicine, or you could call different names. They're all called different names and they're all doing similar things. And definitely there are going to be weeds. There are people who may not be qualified coming up with ideas. There are always these kind of things happening. Uh, well, that's, you know, that's the nature of the, the beast. Um, and eventually, this, the weed is going to be plucked out, and this whole new complementary medicine will actually collaborate with modern medicine and make our healthcare take our healthcare to another level. That's how I see it. Okay. Um, how do you handle the two sides to say, a lot of times what I'm hearing you say is that the conventional medicine views the complementary medicine as a desire to, to be replacement medicine, and sometimes within the complementary medicine, there is, um, you know, a push to, to take a, to be more influential in people's lifestyle. So how do you kind of walk that balance between the two? So again, I'd like to emphasize that it, there is no replacement. So uh, I don't think that complementary medicine is a replacement. It is as it's under, you know, called complementary. So there are things that um, modern medicine has it, squared well, and you cannot um, change those. There are things that modern medicine knows how to do well. There's good research behind, and there's solid um, protocols, etc. And there's a very strong, in fact, way too strong pharmaceutical industry and part of modern medicine. Um, so the direction the modern medicine is going to is, is basically driven by pharmaceutical companies a little too much because you can't really, for every single symptom, just slap a medication and just wish that it's be gone. So, um, and CDC has acknowledged that there are about 1.3 million ED visits due to adverse effects of pharmaceutical um, medications. Um, so, and in fact, about 350,000 people get admitted every year due to these adverse effects. And people over 65 are actually doubling the numbers uh, when compared to the young people, because some of them may be as much as, uh, and may have a list as much as 10 or more of medications. So, um, I think, um, think complementary medicine is actually creating awareness. There's already some awareness I see in social media too. Even in young people, I see an awareness about mindfulness, for example. It's a huge element of complementary medicine. Um, and then gut health, for example, which is not really seen well in conventional medicine as much yet. Oh, checking the bacteria in the gut, what's the big deal? But there is a huge um, area that is ignored in, right now in, in modern medicine. And this area actually is now being more and more explored due to COVID. I am actually seeing research coming out about gut and COVID, nutrition and COVID, and that's how vitamin D finally made its way strongly in conventional medicine. Mind you, when I had my training, vitamin D was a big hit in functional medicine era, and people were like, what are you talking about vitamin D, giving vitamin D like 2,000 units? That's too much of a dose. That's 12 years ago. Now vitamin D is commonly used, and, and then B12 and D are tested, but in functional medicine, you can actually test a variety of vitamins and minerals. And that's actually going to be the future because it's not those, those two only. So, um, again, I think the emphasis is on the complementary aspect without ignoring what modern medicine provides, but at the same time, not really relying on pharmaceutical um, industry that much. I hope okay. I'm making my point clear there. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I, I think that you actually have led me into my next question, which is what excites you about the future of healthcare? What excites me is that that 
we are in a turning point right now. And um, even in, uh, amongst my colleagues, some people are leery about this uh, complementary or you know, all these names, regenerative, functional medicine, integrative medicine, but there are a bunch of people who are getting into the trainings of it. I know a lot of people asking me, where do I get trained? What do I do? I, I really like this topic. Uh, and so we're in a turning point. There is a huge shift about uh, getting to, to take the health to another level. And, my, and I'm happy to be part of this. And there's a lot of opportunities in the problems. There's a lot of issues right now. The, one of the big issues is the food industry. And food industry will have to renovate itself. Um, more like um, the tobacco industry, it's been really poisoning the, the American people here, the food industry. It's, it's really problematic the way it's, um, it's all based on making money. And we understand their prerogative, but health has been ignored. So all these processed goods with nutrient depletions and some of some chemicals that really don't work with well, the kids are suffering. So the food industry is actually going towards shaping itself up. And so I see the future as a lot of things changing. Um, of course, food industry is not like tobacco. We need food. So they will just have to be there <laughs> reinventing themselves. And, um, and, and doctors are reinventing themselves. They are actually getting more education. So... Um, and I'm hoping government and insurances in future will also acknowledge wellness, lifestyle medicine, as valid and important and make it such that it's affordable and reimbursable. That's, that's my wish for the future. Okay. And it makes great sense. And uh, last question for you. What is one thing medical professionals can start doing today to improve the quality of healthcare? Great question. Um, there is a study, um, there's actually an article that's published in the American Journal of Medicine in 2014, and, and they have mentioned um, mnemonic captures to actually improve the clinical experience. In all honesty, the clinical experience of the client makes a difference. If a, if a patient trusts the doctor, their results are so much more phenomenal than you have an exceptional doctor, but the relationship is not good. So... Um, so in this article, they mentioned uh, the mnemonic captures, C for curiosity and interest, adapting a warm, sincere, friendly uh, curiosity and interest, A for appreciating, finding something appreciative about a uh, patient. I keep saying client and patient, the term. <laughs> um, and then um, and admire your patient, find something that you admire about, because uh, everybody has something that's unique. And uh, P for point of view, appreciating their point of view and where they're coming from, as opposed to saying, oh, this is how it's supposed to be. I see it this way. No, you got to see the point of view of the patients. And touching the patient, um, having maybe, you know, on the shoulder or creating some connection and using the body language, proximity, leveling, you know, um, not really looking over from the top, sitting on the same level and um, reacting to what they're saying and, and taking a notice of, of what they're saying and also supporting the patient by, by their, you know, stressing the positive aspects and then providing reassurance and hope. Hope is huge. So, Yeah, excellent. I think a, a very powerful way to end our interview. Listen, Dr. Daphne, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you sharing your experiences and I respect your perspective on healthcare. Thanks for listening Thanks so to much. Perspectives on Healthcare. Visit PerspectivesOnHealthcare.com to learn more about Rob Oliver or to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If this podcast was valuable, we'd appreciate a review on iTunes. Or if you tell a friend or coworker about the show, that would be helpful too. 
Join us again next time for more Perspectives on Healthcare.